The National Desk, Conversations, America's News Now. I'm Jan Jeffcoat, and welcome to Episode 30 of the National Desk Conversations. Every weekday, we invite newsmakers onto our morning television broadcast to discuss topics everybody's talking about. On today's podcast, we revisit our conversation about the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan with Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying, we messed this up. I'm not saying we've got to be in, the, in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? Well, that was Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, who received overwhelming support after he posted his frustration on YouTube following the botched Afghanistan withdrawal. But speaking out cost him his job. He was sent to a military prison and discharged for criticizing the nation's top leaders. And joining us right now to share his story is Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. Colonel Scheller, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the National Desk and thank you for your service. Thank you, Jan. Excited to be here and get the opportunity to talk to your guest. You, you posted that viral video following the bombing at Kabul airport in Afghanistan that killed 13 U.S. service members. No doubt a horrific moment for, for the military and for America. As someone who has been on the front lines and fought so hard for this country, what thoughts were going through your head as you posted that video? Absolutely. It was very personal to me. It wasn't something that just happened to me that day. I was watching the events of Afghanistan unfold real-time social media over two weeks. There were some statements that were made by my senior leaders that were incongruent with what I perceived to be the problems. I thought the problems were senior leaders. The junior enlisted wins every single tactical battle. And we have senior leaders between the operational combatant command level and the National Security Council strategic presidential executive level that are consistently failing and which is in my diagnosis why we have failed the last two wars. And so when my old unit 1A got put in a place uh, around the Kabul airfield where they were really set up to fail and that attack happened on 26 August, I felt the need to speak out because I just knew no one was gonna be held accountable. And quite honestly, I didn't know if senior leaders even understood what the problem was and I thought a public conversation was very important. Who should be held responsible? What does accountability look like in a situation like this? In my opinion, the military person that should be responsible is General McKenzie, the CENTCOM combatant commander. Most people understand who General Milley is. He's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, but quite honestly, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and all of the service chiefs um, are not the service providers downrange. That's the combatant commands, and most Americans just don't understand that. So General McKenzie is the person that should have advised. Now. He, when he testified against Congress, said that he advised the president that we should have had 2,500 troops and the president rejected that. In my opinion, it's the military commander's responsibility to convince the president and the National Security Council why you need a certain force level. He failed to do that. Then, once he was told what the restraints were on his plan, he had the option to resign. He did not. At that point, he assumes responsibility. He doesn't get to go back and say, well, no, I, I told the president he should have done something different. No, General McKenzie is responsible. And I've been calling for General McKenzie now that I'm off a gag order. Uh, the president just came out two days ago and announced his replacement. I don't know if that's a coincidence, but he seems to be running for the exit this spring. 
Well, the end of the video stood out to me that you posted. I want to play it for our viewers at home so they can take a listen. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. You know, you're a combat veteran with multiple deployments to both Iraq and Afghanistan. And I want to share a story about you that I read uh, from Thanksgiving Day back in 2007 when there was an attack in Ramadi, Iraq. Your mother waited for hours by the phone, I read, waiting for you to call. I read she was pacing by the front door, praying she would not get a visit from someone in the military to tell her about her son. And there was one satellite phone on base there, and you let everyone else call their family first before you finally called your mom. And in the article, they said you were a Marine who leads from the front and puts his Marines first. Yet after you spoke out, you were relieved of your command. You were court-martialed. You were placed in the brig for nine days. You lost your retirement, your pension, your marriage, your friends in the military. You know, talk us through what these last few months have been like for you and why it was worth it to you. You know... This has been very personal for me. My whole entire adult life has been dedicated to foreign policy and making the United States one of the strongest nations. And so there was nothing that was more important to me. Did it come at a high cost? Yes, but there's also a flip side that once you lose everything, you're free to do anything. And this was one of those things that once I made that first video, I knew the only way out was all the way through. I think they underestimated a little bit my internal fortitude. And this is just one of those things that there couldn't be something more important for this generation addressing how we can fix the fundamental issues within the military, which in my opinion drives foreign policy is the critical topic that's not being discussed enough. And I understand I was just a Lieutenant Colonel and it's not my place to say it, but look around, there was no one else saying it. And so if it was like, if it's not me, then who, and if not now, when it, it's a conversation that needed to happen. And where do you go from here? What are you hoping to achieve in this next chapter in your life? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, Jan. I'm dedicated to making foreign policy better. Politics is probably the place where that makes most sense. I, if there was a bumper sticker, believe we need leaders, not politicians. But this ordeal has taken so much out of me mentally, physically, spiritually that I, you know, I don't think I personally will be jumping into the race in 22, but I've developed a coalition of veteran candidates that I think transition well into leadership roles to do some of the things that we need to be doing up in Washington. So I plan to support them through the 22 election cycle, and then I'll reassess the political landscape in 24. I, I feel like I'll probably jump in a race in 24, but right now I think just kind of working in the shadows and supporting those people. And I'll just give an example. Congress took turns in the panel against the generals and talked about their outrage, but then nothing happened. The way Congress holds the generals accountable is through the DOD budget. And we didn't have one single congressional member that stood against the DOD budget and asked for metrics of effectiveness, that asked for accountability uh, on the one lever of control that they have. And so that's just an example for me. When it's convenient to seem angry, you can, but when it actually takes internal fortitude and goes against your self-preservation as a Congress member, I didn't see anyone doing what they needed to do. And so I think we need leaders, not politicians. I think. I do believe change can happen. I think I've been overwhelmed with the amount of people that just tell me this is the way it is and you can't change it. I fundamentally disagree. I think we can change it. It just requires people to have the courage to step up and do what needs to be done. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, we appreciate your service to our country. Thank you for joining us and best of luck to you. God bless you. 
That's episode 30 of the National Desk Conversations. Join me each weekday morning from 6 to 11 Eastern for the National Desk, America's News Now. Check your local listings or you can stream it on our website, thenationaldesk.com. Our podcast comes out twice a week with fresh newsmaker interviews. The conversation continues. Until next time, from the National Desk, I'm Jan Jeffcoat.